0: Hey guys, this is Tony with Sunnyside Sober, and you're listening to the Breakfast Rock Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Breakfast Rock Podcast. I am your co host Tony. And I'm Derek. And we thank you for joining us again. Um we're available on seven new platforms now.
1: Um if you haven't checked us out. <laughs> thank you, Anchor. I mean, That's obviously right. if you're if you're listening to us now, you've found us on, on some format, but maybe there's yeah. a format that you prefer um that we hadn't previously been available on and you can check us out there. Um uh, yeah. we're on most of the major platforms now, so and then some of the more startup type of platforms thanks to Anchor's help. So
0: Absolutely. You saved me there because I totally dr- <laughs> minimized the list before right before we started this. <laughs> but the point is yeah, you I mean, can reach us many different places. Exactly. Um, If you haven't, you need to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at breakfast underscore rock. And you can find us at the Breakfast Rock podcast as well, which includes Apple, Spotify, and everything we said earlier. Um, Obviously, if it's not available on a platform you like, then definitely let us know.
1: And you have a new username, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And I will be updating the artwork, too. But my new username on Twitter is at Tony Medina.
1: 314 okay Tony just with it's just Tony Medina there's no like yeah. double Y because I, I found something I tried to tag you in a post and I don't know if it was like your old account or what happened
0: Huh? I definitely deactivated that out but one, there was like
1: multiple Ys. I think
0: sounds like I need to check this out
1: and then you can find me I am the baker man 247 on pretty much all platforms
0: one thing I've really enjoyed lately. I'm just going to make a t- quick turn here. We're just going to transition right into something else. Okay. Um something I've enjoyed lately. Um I've noticed on Twitch a lot of um I think like small underground venues or houses that hosted shows like up in the Michigan area. Um on Twitch I've been hosting like live streams of like uh pre-recorded sets of like bands. For example, Summit Shack um on twitch i believe they did do live shows before covid 19 and i believe they're up in michigan somewhere Mm -hmm. um they've been doing live streams and getting together with bands like origami angel and nice and um probably forgetting a lot more but um i think mover shaker was on there as well but um yeah they've been doing like pre-recorded sets and it's been pretty enjoyable to kind of see like these bands branch out and do something like for example again origami angel they did um an electronic version like a hip-hop kind of version of some of their old songs and one of their new songs and it actually like broke the minecraft server everybody was hanging out in on twitch it was kind of funny to watch
1: (laughs) yeah um i'm curious how that works because i mean i've i've thought about this and and you and i talked about this a little bit when we started doing this podcast because um for us, there was a big barrier with trying to interact with people, trying to get high-quality audio, trying to work from a distance. And I'll have to check some of these out um, because it almost felt like it would have been easier for like you and I to record ahead of time and then put it on our Twitch later. Oh, yeah, which, for sure. you know, we didn't do because twitch's whole thing is kind of about being live or not live right yeah like the whole thing is kind of about interaction so i'm curious how that really does on like a twitch platform um when you're doing pre-recorded sets and things like that so it's it's definitely cool i'm glad that we're still seeing bands play together and play music together um yeah but but i am curious
0: yeah, it was cool. I I went back and watched most of this stuff on YouTube. I did catch one of the origami sets live because my sister and I kind of just kept logging in to see whenever they were going to play their pre-recorded set. Um, but it was cool cuz they had uh a way you could donate to bands like via Venmo or Cash App. Okay. Um and it, they would just split up the royalties between everybody. Um and I'm guessing they allowed people into like a giant server for like minecraft i've never played minecraft but uh, all these people could join and like hear the audio of the pre-recorded set but it was cool i mean they would just i guess they would send it into summit shack and then they would just put it all together on one or two pcs and let it run
1: yeah i mean that's cool so they're they're all doing it in they're like um apart or was it like all the the band is together or are they all like apart as well
0: so, uh during that time when when this specifically happened the Origami Angel set, it was like really like early in the COVID, but like at the point where everybody was taking it serious, like more serious as they should be.
1: Right. And
0: I'm guessing this they were split up um because I think it was mostly uh it's Rylan, I think I'm a run to butcher that. Um but
1: but it's just two guys, right?
0: Right, right, exactly. It was so, a, it was I mean, also like a hip hop and like dance, like instrumental, electronic.
1: Yeah, versions. I'm just curious about the timing issues and things like that. That you know, it would just be hard to to really communicate. But if you were layering it, I guess you did your you know guitar take or whatever to a metronome, then sent it to your friend, and then they right. added theirs, and you figured out how to line them up together. Pretty um, sure
0: he just had has like the small. Um, MIDI keyboard that you know that I have in my basement actually, and he's probably just transposing his music onto that, doing electronics, and then I think sure. one of his friends sent in a electronic like he was doing the drum beats electronically. Uh. I wonder if the drummer ended up doing that or not. That's actually oh, that's pretty cool. interesting, but it was cool. Yeah. yeah, they were hanging out in the chat, and you can interact with the bands and ask them questions and stuff. So okay, it kinda I mean that's
1: cool because that's what I was wondering about. I guess like so much about the Twitch platform is, is really about the interaction. Yeah. Not so much even about what you're doing. So if you're just like watching a video of a plan or of a band playing, um, you know, you go to YouTube and do that as well. So yeah, that's what I was curious about.
0: Uh, they were in there hanging out, answering questions and stuff like that. No, that's cool.
1: But speaking of, uh,
0: pumping out content during COVID Alex Melton again, we love this guy, man
1: i do love uh... this guy i love this guy (laughs) so much
0: yeah dump weed uh but in a modern pop punk
1: yeah sound no and um he's i think he's pretty dead on in the modern pop punk sense i saw some online comparisons i think that he sounded a lot like state champs
0: oh yeah i could hear that for sure it was it was dead on honestly like the the bouncy drums in the beginning, the the beginning like sells it immediately. The way he opens up the song, just how he does their guitar lick. Oh, it's great. And he great. changes up the drums. It's pretty pretty good. He's
1: great. I I find all of his videos pretty highly entertaining. It's really interesting to see the development of that channel because there's not a lot of content. I feel like with big YouTubers, they do so much content that like you'd have to dig way way far back. To really yeah. see where they started at. But with him, um, you really go back 10, 15 videos, maybe. If his <laughs> channel even has that many, I don't know. Um, And you could pretty much see the very first one and see the quality change. And, I mean, he's been doing these videos, uh, if I remember right, it was, like, since 2012. Holy cow. This is when the first one came out, so... He's been at it for a long time, albeit slowly but surely, but it it's cool to see the uh transformation because I mean I feel like this guy could hang with anybody, whether it be from a recording standpoint, a performance standpoint, a songwriting standpoint. Um, if he needed to be a drummer for someone, a bass player, a guitarist, a vocalist, he could do it. So it's interesting army to knife, see baby. Swiss Army Knife, that's right. <laughs> I mean, for real, though. And so, you know, obviously it works really great for the YouTube uh, videos that he's putting out. But I'm curious if we will see him maybe pick up with his own band, his own project. Maybe cool. he's, um, you know, a guy that we see play with, like, a another more established band. Who knows? There's a lot of
0: content out there right now too, and he's just cranking. He's trying to crank it out.
1: Yeah, I mean that's all
0: anybody can do. No, it's kind of interesting because you got like um, MGK, for example, with his new album that just came out Friday, "Tickets to My Downfall." Mm-hmm. How he dropped this like mid COVID? There's not going to be any shows anytime soon, so. Yeah, I'm like, what's about to come out? Is he going to do a live set? Is this, I'm I'm interested to see like how this goes from like, even at like a financial standpoint to like, what kind of attention?
1: What better time to release your passion project? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, if he did this, this pop punk thing and it went over really poorly and no one wanted to go to his shows, I don't think that would be the case, but let's say that for whatever reason, the people that were fans of Machine Gun Kelly don't want to be uh, fans of Machine Gun Kelly anymore because they don't care about pop punk. Oh. And they don't want to put pop punk into their pop punk veins.
0: And you know those those kinds of people are out there.
1: <laughs> and at the same time, he would have picked up some of the pop punk community as well who does like putting pop punk into their pop punk veins. I think but... that's cool. <laughs> pop punk? Pop punk? Pop, pop punk? punk? You like pop punk? You got any pop punk? <laughs> i love it um you know it's uh for him i think it's it's not something that was planned obviously but it does kind of make sense for him to uh release that now and let's say that it had bombed or something and no one wanted to see him at big venues and he had to do like a smaller tour and things that that could be very financially harmful but oh, now yeah. that's not really a question, unless he wants to pull a Smash Mouth and start doing shows anyway.
0: I gave it a little bit of a listen. It wasn't the title track was pretty good. Honestly, the first song on there, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, but it's just Bert's it's, on there.
1: It's, it's Bert was,
0: Oh yeah, Bert. Of course. Honestly, I didn't realize that until you pointed that out to me right before this.
1: I mean, I'm it's have to legit. Tra- produced by Travis Barker. It's got Young Bert Bud. on there. Young Blood's on there, Halsey's on there, so it's Who's definitely a blend. He's got a song on there called Jawbreaker, which I find interesting. There's a, like a, I mean, there, there's a band called Jawbreaker. I wonder if it's anything like that. I have not listened to this at all, but I will. I don't think it matters, like front to back. Maybe I don't know. Bloody Valentine. Um, just whenever I see that, I think of Good Charlotte.
0: <laughs> I think of. I think of my blood. what is
1: that? My my bloody valentine. What is the metal band? Yeah, it's the like metal band. Valentine. What are they called? Yeah. My and bloody valentine. Bullet
0: for my valentine.
1: Bullet for my valentine. That's sorry. right.
0: Sorry, bullet, sorry.
1: <laughs> bullet for my valentine.
0: Hand kind of blood. That was on need for speed. That's why I have that stuck in my head. Bullet for my valentine. I like bullet for my valentine.
1: Yeah. No, I <laughs> I used to cover one of their songs when I really first started learning how to sing and things. I couldn't do it now, but it happened. No, I couldn't either. Sounds painful. What else do we got? NHL 2021 soundtrack. NHL 2021 soundtrack is interesting. Um, I feel like for a long time, I, I grew up, I played a lot of sports video games just growing up. Like Madden and NCAA football, I used to basically switch back and forth. Yeah. Year, you know, do one one year, the next year do the other, and then two years later I'd buy the new Madden or whatever. Um, When you did the college football games, it was all college fight songs and, like, band music. Yeah. And then when <laughs> you would do Madden, back in the day, it used to have a pretty healthy blend. Of rap and rock. Um, And then it kind of became like new country slash rap. And now it's pretty much like strictly rap. That's not been the case for NHL um, for as long as I can remember. I remember playing it um, on the original Xbox and there was like tons of fallout boy and all kinds of like, it was like taking back Sunday and all kinds of just huge rock bands And it's cool to see that they're still kind of sticking with the rock band thing. Um, They've got AWOL Nation on there. They've got Falling in Reverse on there. Green Day's on there. Uh, Kaleo's on there. I'm a big fan of them. Them, um, Our friend Mike is a big fan of them as well. Machine Gun Kelly's concert for Aliens is on there, actually. Yeah. Um, And then there is that split that Simple Plan State Champs and We the Kings all did together. Um, they did a song called Where I Belong. Which Which I
0: saw live at Pops, Sauget, Illinois.
1: Oh, oh, baby. (laughs) St. Louis, Missouri. Iconic.
0: And they all three came out and sang it. It's
1: awesome. I didn't realize that was the lineup for that show.
0: Yeah. We the Kings, State Champs, Simple Plan. Simple Plan. That makes so much uh, more sense now. A lot older than me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that makes so much more sense now, but but it's cool. I, NHL continues to be rock and roll.
0: Yeah, for sure. They've had Pup in the past. I forget what year, but...
1: Yeah, um, I was going to talk about that. Actually, it was 20. 2015, I think. Oh, wow. Huh. I bought... I think I owned 2015, and then the last one I bought was like 17. And they, were, they weren't on 17. So on 15, I think they had Lionheart, which is actually the first time that I ever heard Pup, even though I didn't know who Pup was. Until I saw them live. And oh, I was like, What? I fucking love Lion pup. Hard.
0: That's like one of their earliest songs too. We'll get to that later, but hmm. Sneak preview. Spoiler, spoiler. We're talking about
1: pup. Pup. Pup is the topic. Pup pup. Not the dog. Pup pup. Pop punk. You like you like <laughs> pup punk? Pup pop punk? Pop, punk. Hardcore pup punk. They definitely are like more in the punk realm. Oh, yeah, 100%. I wouldn't call them hardcore.
0: They make it look easy.
1: I'd say they're in the <laughs> punk realm for sure. I saw I something say... else um, this week I meant to tell you about. Okay. I finally got to watch the Family Feud episode with Weezer and Fall Out Boy.
0: Nice, because I did not.
1: And <laughs> it's um really not that interesting. So if you were oh, planning okay. on like going out of your way to see it, it's really like one of the least entertaining celebrity family feuds that i've ever seen huh. like they are all they they just play the game man i mean you know sometimes the entertainment comes from when people are like reacting to the answers and things but oh, yeah. all these guys are either totally fried or they just did not give a shit um because pretty much nothing happens <laughs> And so it's, you know, Pat Stump and uh, Pete Wentz, pretty much leading Fall Out Boy as usual. You got Seth Green on the end there as well. The Seth Green pairing almost felt like uh, Family Feud forced that on them or something. I kind of... Like he, 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 he didn't seem like he like, knew them at all. Yeah. No, I mean, he I was just kind of there. Yeah, he was just kind of there, and then Weezer had like a, a girl who was like a recording artist slash, uh, engineer. I guess maybe she had worked with them in the past in some capacity or. (laughs) Why the hell is Chris?
0: Why the hell is Chris (laughs) from Family Guy with Fallout Boy? (laughs) Sorry. See whenever I see him, I
1: think about Doctor
0: Evil's son. I think about the Amish character he played in Sex Drive
1: wow that's that's real specific that's a deep I was thinking cut. of Scotty,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: or Dr Scotty Son. or his character on that seventies show where he's like trying to steal Donna from Eric Foreman,
0: so who won the family feud
1: uh Fallout boy won, and they lost the final thing you know you gotta you get the two guys going to the other room. One of them goes first, while the other guy waits in the soundproof room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the questions were like, "What animal would you not take for a walk?" And Pete once said lizard, which got him like three points. What? And then, yeah, dude, lizard should not be the first thing that you think of. It shouldn't be lizard. It should be like fish or bird, like stuff that people generally have.
0: Yeah, I guess a Komodo dragon or like one of those, uh, do you, people take monitor lizards for walks?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar yeah. with Li- the saying, community, Derek. I'm not saying that it's technically wrong, but the, know, the point of the game is to try and guess the most popular answer out of 100 people surveyed. And out of the 100 people surveyed, it's probably not going to be lizard. It's going to be stuff like fish, or bird, or turtle. And maybe you put lizard in that category as well. Lizard is like third choice at best. So there was that. Um, Patrick Stump guessed porcupine. (laughs) So that tells you how good they were at the game. Rivers Cuomo looked like he was drugged out or burnt out. I'm not sure. He was, like, staring into space the whole time. Seemed like he really wasn't actually there.
0: I'm actually really bad at Family Feud, though. So, at least the video game.
1: (laughs) Yeah? I didn't realize there was a video game for Family Feud.
0: It's like, you know, the app you get for your iPad or something. My wife Uh, and I used to play it all the time when she was in college, and I'd visit her.
1: Nice. I had uh, The Price is Right on my phone. That was Let's a good one down. But yeah So um, Was kind of bummed Like I've seen a lot of those episodes And a lot of the Guests have been Highly entertaining Just you know Being sassy Having fun And it was like These bands really Didn't know each other Super well Is how it came off And that They um, Just Kind of wanted to Do it And get it over with And then go home That's how it came yeah. off So disappointing maybe pop punk will live to be on celebrity family feud another day
0: what an interesting choice did you ever think that like in 2003 2004 that we'd be seeing fallout boy and weezer facing off in 2020 on family feud does that not t- blow anybody else's mind but mine? in
1: 2004 i couldn't think ahead to like 2007 so <laughs> Weezer
0: Weezer was older than that too. They had an album out in the nineties. Right,
1: band. it was like nine. They're like a nineties band,
0: for sure. Island in the sun. I'm dancing for those
1: of you that can't see to Island in the sun in my head. I'm not even looking at you. Let me. <laughs> That's see. why I'm being quite narrow. Do the dance again, wearing his drunk as whole t-shirt. We went blues, baby. We went blues. <laughs> One of the greatest Stanley Cup championship speeches by an (laughs) ex-player of all time yeah
0: side note from everybody listening go google that youtube that brett hall's speech at the blues championship ceremony you won't be disappointed
1: he's uh really infamous for getting absolutely hammered at every blues event now (laughs) he's supposed to be working too right (laughs) like he's in the the front office now
0: yeah, the night we won, they said he was wandering. Or the night after we won, they said they somebody found him wandering the streets at like 3 a.m. Like he was walking down Market just high fiving people. What I was gonna say earlier about the Family Feud thing, though, going off of these bands being on Family Feud, like what 17 years later, Blink 182's old, sorry, old new album Neighborhoods turned nine. I guess that's, Does, yeah, that doesn't. Isn't that
1: crazy? Yeah, that it's it's almost been a decade. So, Blink-182, it's been nine years since Neighborhood came out. This record was something that was so controversial for Blink-182 because they recorded it in separate studios. You know, it was supposed to be like the big reunion album, right? Tom and Mark and Travis are all finally back together. And they made this album that... It's just, it's so obviously like Angels and Airwaves trying to clash with Blink-182. And it's not even really like Plus 44 in there at all. Because Plus 44 was basically just like Mark's version of Blink-182 without Tom. Whereas Angels and Airwaves was totally, totally different. And, you know, for it to be nine years since that happened, it's just so crazy to think about. Um, I actually like Neighborhoods a decent amount. I think that there are some problems with it yeah. that stem from doing the recording process so distanced, like Ghost on the Dance Floor is the opening track of this album. And if you listen to it, it, it doesn't ever really feel like the drums line up with the rest of the song. Especially in the choruses. There's like yeah. weird tom hits and like he's basically doing like a roll slash fill the whole time it It just sounds off, I don't know, like have you spent a lot of time with this
0: album or i did- I definitely did like when it first came out, uh especially when they released their singles because I remember they had split up for a while, right They had if split up for correctly. a
1: while and and I mean just to give a little context into the album, they got back together because Travis had that helicopter crash. Yeah and one of his close friends died and to this day he won't get into an aircraft and he uh from what i understand at that point travis was kind of the one that pushed for everything that was like life is way too short we need to just get back together and make music and put all this other bullshit aside but it made a weird album yeah
0: for sure that's kind of scary too that he survived a a crash too. That's got to be traumatizing.
1: I think he's had a lot. I know of, he
0: won't fly at all. Yeah, anymore. he's got a lot of PTSD from it. Oh yeah, for sure. I think they went to Australia to tour this album or something. If I remember, I don't know. Might be making that up. But he didn't. He didn't go.
1: It wasn't to tour it. It was. It was like to promote it. It it was like, um, Mark, and Matt. Both went to Australia or something just to do like interviews and almost like they were doing like a, a movies, you know, promo where they just do a bunch of interviews that they didn't really want to do. And they talked about um doing taking like a boat, I guess. That would take a while overseas, but it was going to take so much more time. And that's why they yeah, hadn't done take
0: it. Quite some time. Yeah. Imagine that a boat trip tour. <laughs> like you do, you do they a leg in Brazil, and then you're just like, all oh, right, we're going to, uh, we're going over to Africa or South Africa, whatever.
1: Well, that's not even like the thing that they were going to do. It was going to be like, we're going to tour in Europe, but we're just going to take a boat ride. So it was going to be like months of boat travel just to get really over there. get that. To do the tour. I mean, maybe if they were all young and yeah. didn't have families and, all I that want, stuff uh, that, that would probably that, be really appealing for that
0: 1400, for them. 1500s vibe. You know, I want to go on a boat for 30 days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if if that's what I wanted, I'd listen to the Drop oh, yeah, for sure.
0: I lost my leg climbing up the top sail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, it's been nine years, which is crazy to me. Nuts. I saw them when they toured in support of this record um i actually really like dogs eating dogs which was their the last ep with like the the most popular lineup i guess yeah and it's you know you know what's good oh sorry no good no sorry i don't want to cut you off Well, I was just, I was going to say, you know what's weird about Blink-182, and I feel like we don't deal with this maybe as much on the the big scale anymore, because it's not really so many bands, but I don't know if your parents or like, people that you know that are a little bit older, that grew up in that era of, like, really prime 70s, 80s, early 90s music. Um if we want to stretch it that far, but really like seventies, um, they kind of talk about the lineups and things that really impacted these great, great bands and how they got to see like Fleetwood Mac with Lindsay Buckingham, you know, things like that, where they got to see these old lineups before they disbanded or people died. Like, Blink-182 is kind of, to me, like the last mega rock band. Oh, yeah, for sure. At least the most modern to to have to deal with a problem like that. Where it's like, did you get to see Blink-182 um, when it was Tom and Mark and Travis before, you know, it was Matt Skiba?
0: Oh, yeah. I'd, hell, I'd even throw Foo Fighters on that list.
1: I mean, Foo Fighters, their lineup stayed pretty consistent.
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, I get yeah. So changing out.
1: You um, know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm not saying that Blink one eighty two is the last great rock band or anything. Voo Fighters, I think, if if I had to make that statement are the last great like old school rock band. Oh yeah. Um at least to emerge from the modern era, obviously a lot of the older guys still play. But like Blink One Eighty Two, you know, we deal with like lineup changes and pop punk bands and things. It doesn't really feel as impactful as, like, a Tom DeLonge leaving Blink-182.
0: Did you get to see Blink with Tom? I did. Yeah, we did.
1: Yes, I watched him fart <laughs> into a microphone.
0: I watched him, yeah, I watched I was him there. moan sexually I was there. into the microphone for half of one of their songs, and everybody was thrilled. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: I was not old enough to drink at that point, and, either. And-
1: we paid money for <laughs> yeah, this so. wow what a time but you know what i mean like it, it was an experience oh, yeah. and so to reflect on all this you know 9 years after the fact is it the last time the world may never know you know i'll i'll we'll always like reflect on neighborhoods oh, yeah. it'll be 20 years and it'll be like here was the last album that they did as a full I Three really like
0: the uh, instrumental piece on it fighting the gravity. I definitely played that one a lot driving around. Like that's how I remember the album cuz I would drive around and just have it on shuffle and I would love fighting the gravity. Uh they had a little bit of those like hip hop like 808s and there's a lot of good work on the drums. Just good stuff. Mm. Probably mm-hmm. have a Travis
1: Barker track. Good like <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Travis Parker's yeah. influence. You took the words out of my mouth. Sorry about that, bud. I, I lean toward Angels and Airwaves, so like this record for me I, um sounds really good because I like Angels and Airwaves.
0: I 100% agree. Yeah, it's got that Tom DeLonge influence.
1: I don't know if you know or maybe whoever's listening to this knows or doesn't know. Um, Rise Records, BMG is the label that currently has PUP and also has Angels and Airwaves. Good facts. Love it. So there is is a connection here. Good music. Good job, Rise Records. All right,
0: so let's talk about PUP.
1: Also known pop a boot is the U uh, pronounced the same way in Canadian? Is it pup Uh, or is it poop?
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's pup. Pretty sure I think it's
1: pup too, but I don't think they've ever actually said it.
0: I'm no genius.
1: I'm just kidding. I think they've said it.
0: It actually, actually, it's an acronym for pathetic use of potential.
1: What if their name is poop? What if their name is poop? This whole time we've been we've been duped. We've been duped by poop.
0: We can't hit pause or anything. We're just going to do this whole thing and then we'll go okay. and look up how to pronounce it and if it's wrong, we'll re-record everything.
1: Should I call them poop the whole time or pup? <laughs> uh, I think we should go with pup. Okay. Love I'm pup. I'm assuming that's what it is.
0: <laughs> now you got me questioning it.
1: So it's an acronym? No, they are
0: called P.U.P. <laughs> yeah, it's an acronym for Pathetic Use of Potential, which uh, came from a concerned letter from frontman Stefan Babcock's grandma, basically about his decision to quit his job, full-time job, which is what they all did to just go on tour and be P.U.P., which is pretty
1: awesome. Cool. Thanks, Grandma. All or nothing. But, yeah,
0: it's rough. Yeah, I'm guessing in the letter she said that he was his—he was a pathetic use of potential. I don't know. That's kind of harsh coming from somebody's grandma, if you ask me.
1: You know, I thought the Canadians were nice people, but if that's how your grandmas are, I can't imagine how your people are. Yeah. I mean, they do have to put up with being Leafs fans, like, all the time. Uh, that's
0: got to be rough.
1: The Oilers and Lately. Leafs fans... And the Jets, I wouldn't want any of that business. What about the Raptors? No one likes Drake, so let's move on. <laughs> Moving on, pup,
0: pup, pup, pup. Uh, punk poop, rock. Poop,
1: poop, 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 <laughs> poop, 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 punk. <laughs> Oh, uh, I might be like destroying an entire a uh, brand right now. Poop punk. Yeah. They'll probably
0: hear this and like ban it. They'll make us take it down.
1: I love pup. So Absolutely. just so that's clear.
0: Oh yeah. It's just We're totally joking.
1: We were like taking a break and full disclosure when we record these episodes we do not record them all the way through. We take breaks. I do editing wizardry as best as I can. And, um, I like to think that that's pretty fucking good, but oh, yeah. uh, sometimes it's not. And, uh, sometimes if I were a true editing genius, I would have just hit record the whole time and I'd catch or, capture you saying poop about PUP pup, <laughs> but I didn't get it.
0: I haven't said it one time, but that was me. Let's talk about poop.
1: Let's talk about poop. <laughs> Like a like, Scottish, wait, like Canadian? Wait a minute. Poop? Look <laughs> at that, that SpongeBob episode.
0: Someone classify poop as punk rock. <laughs> poop. People order
1: our patties. Poop.
0: <laughs> the SpongeBob references carrying over from the Rat Boys episode. Rat I boys.
1: I, too, love SpongeBob Rat Boys. Let's go on what? tour.
0: Let's get back to pup. Let's talk about genres, I guess, briefly. Punk rock. I some would say punk. hardcore punk. No, I agree I'm just with saying that.
1: punk. No, I'm just, I'm saying punk. I don't think it's hardcore punk. I think it's punk. Yeah, I, they've well, got I the popular like songs. To... They've got the popular songs in their, um, yeah. in their discography. Yeah, so for sure. Everything that I've heard has always had, at least album-wise, there's always been, like, a poppier song. And yeah. I've, I've heard some, like, really dark shit, punk-wise, and I don't, I don't think Pup does that. And that's what yeah, makes them sure. so enjoyable.
0: I just, I kind of peeled that off, because a lot of people are calling them hardcore punk, and I was like, okay, I guess that kind of, I don't know. It's it's
1: sometimes,
0: but, uh, yeah.
1: As far as, like, popular bands go... You know, They're there's hardcore. there's hardcore <laughs> punk out there. There's hardcore punk out there. Don't don't get me wrong. PUP puts on a fucking fantastic show and they look like they fucking love to wreck shit. Their music videos make it look like they love to wreck shit. Their yeah. songs make it sound like they love to wreck shit. I'm not saying that they aren't punk. This is a great punk band. They they even
0: say uh in a lot of their interviews that their sound is like alive on stage it sounds like everything's going to fall apart at any moment. That's literally a quote from the band. And that's kind of interesting to paint that picture.
1: And it's funny that you say that, because they did a show with Late Night at Seth... Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yeah. They were on that. And I guess the camera cuts made it difficult, but Billboard did like an interview with them. Mm-hmm. And... They were talking about, like, picks falling out of their hands, their missing notes, chords coming unplugged from the guitars. One of the drummers, Toms, just fell over, like, at the beginning of everything. And they're like, yep, all right, that was a pup show. But that's not the experience that you and I had at all.
0: No, not at all. Maybe we were kind
1: of fucked up. I don't know. But, um...
0: We definitely had a good time at that show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Such a generous statement. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's so generous. But no, I
0: mean he hung upside down from the ceiling at the show we went to. How many podcasts
1: are we going to talk about this on, though?
0: Every single podcast (laughs) that needs to be mentioned. It's going to be a t-shirt. He hung upside down. That's all it's going to say. This is the only appropriate time. To mention that story would be for this album review. <laughs> but he was upside down. He was upside down. That's nuts. Upside down.
1: Upside down. What a great show. What
0: a great show. And I, they played
1: um, all this. All this. They played the whole. So we want to talk today about the Pup, self titled. It's Pup. It's by Pup. P U P. You love pup Punk? Take some of this pop punk, put it in your pop punk punk veins. Punk. <laughs> pop punk. Pop punk. Put it in your pop punk veins. Pump.
0: Yeah. Out of Toronto, Canada, Pump too. It. In case you haven't picked that up either. You like PUP, eh? Produced by Dave Schiffman. Yeah, you like pup?
1: Yeah, so. I hope I didn't say that wrong. No, you said, yeah, you said poop. You love poop.
0: I said produced by Dave Schiffman.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, produced by Dave Schiffman. I looked into this guy's credentials a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. There's some good ones. There's three that
1: stuck out. Great. Great. Iconic bands, iconic albums. System of a Down, self-titled. He did Mesmerize, Hypnotize, Toxicity. Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave, Real Big Fish. He did... Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication, and Other Side. He did some work with Eagle Eye Cherry. He did Jimmy Eat World's Futures album. He's worked with Thrice, Anti-Flag, Avenged Sevenfold, Weezer's Red album. He even has gone into like mainstream TV slash movies. And he worked on the South Park album Chef Aid. And Holy he God. did the sound for not another teen movie.
0: Okay, so Dave Schiffman pretty much produced everything. Majority of things I like probably touch
1: <laughs> Dave Schiffman is what I'm hearing. He did a lot of wow. shit. So you know he wasn't a technically he was not a producer on a yeah. lot of that stuff. He worked as an engineer. But if you were to look at like how the credits have changed throughout his career, and especially uh-huh. with the the work that he did on this album in particular. He's credited as a producer, but he did the engineering work as well. He had recording assistants, and then they outsourced for mastering and mixing. But um, he was still doing the same things. He just had maybe more of a vocal role in the recording process of this album. So a guy who's been around for a really long time has worked on some life-changing albums.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a pretty key guy in a lot of things. So Pup signed with Side One Dummy, produced this album with them. They they blessed us with their self title on April twenty first, two thousand fourteen. It's quite some time ago now. Six I years. just,
1: I do, I, I I have to correct you here, um, because I I was looking into this. Okay, um, they they did release this album with Side One Dummy Records. But originally it was released on Royal Mountain Records. Oh, wow. And it was re-released through Side One Dummy Records. So when they recorded it, it was actually done through Royal Mountain Records, which is a Canadian studio, Canadian record label. Um, But then you're absolutely right. They did it with Side One Dummy Records.
0: Yeah, Side One Dummy I think opened them up to like the worldwide.
1: No. Like y- you're absolutely right. Like Side One Dummy is the one who took this to the next level. Yeah. That's it, why.
0: No, I'm glad you corrected me on that cuz I'd rather I'd rather people get the right, you know, people get the facts.
1: But you're you're 100% right that Side One Dummy records really took this this album up a level, but they just didn't help them produce it from from what I've yeah. seen. I mean, Who knows what their influence is. When you really dig into Pup and their record label history, there's tons of, like, parent labels and things like that that have really Mm -hmm. muddied, like, who is the one who owns Pup. Is it Pup? Is it the label? Is it the parent label? Is it a distributor? There's tons of shit, so.
0: For sure. And it seems like I'm sure they were right So they were writing music as Topanga originally. Side note: that was the original Ooh, name of their band. That's and, interesting. Uh, uh, they would have had, I guess, uh, trademark troubles or whatever with uh, Disney because they were launching girls, girls, uh, girl meets world, girl
1: meets world. <laughs> I am a huge boy meets world fan.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> so,
1: I saw that in their their music video. For Mabu, I saw Topanga on the dashboard in tape. I was like, okay,
0: that's cool. to their old band. That's
1: something. I didn't realize it was an old band shout out. You're (laughs) crushing it again. Week after (laughs) week. Week a day in and day out. (laughs) Topanga.
0: Topanga. One thing... Let's let's move towards kind of giving an overview of their sound, and then we'll dive in. Um, I I pulled a quote from Consequence of Sound dot net that I thought was really really good, and expressed my view on Pup, and that's that Pup makes punk rock look effortless. I really loved in this this review I wrote or I read I wrote I read that that's how basically how he started it off, and I was like that is like. After, Because I've known them for a while, obviously, and then just reading this old review from six years ago, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that is so true. Because I've seen them live, and I've heard a lot of their music, including their new stuff, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. They really do make it look effortless, especially live. It's like they're having a blast. And to play the kind of music that they play, you have to have a, a certain level of endurance, I believe, personally.
1: In the past, punk rock, it's a lot about what you put off on stage. It's a lot about yeah. the the way you present yourself. I think you're absolutely right. Um, what makes Pup interesting is that the guitar work is top notch. The lead guitar work is fantastic. Absolutely. It really Steve's like a genius. It lo it 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 takes a step outside of the normal major scale type of riffs that we might hear in traditional pop punk settings. Yeah. Um it makes everything sound good in a major key. It's it, he's he's doing things, he's hitting minor notes, they're making good transitions. They're not relying on like standard chord transitions like um a lot of pop punk bands do. I'm not going to go into like detail just because unless you're like a music theory nerd, it's not really going to interest you at all. But yeah they're just they're doing things that aren't like so out there in the realm of weirdness that you're like, "Oh man, yeah, this works in like a jazz setting because of things like accidentals and naturals and and whatever else." It's just they're doing things in their own pup way. They're, you know, using minor scales predominantly you know, in a in a genre that relies on major scales, I guess is the oh, yeah, simplest way to put sure. it. So it's it's really interesting to me, just as a musician. I think it's fun. It changes everything up just from like a punk perspective.
0: They have a very pup way of doing things. I love that. That's great. It, it and honestly feels like they're fighting their way through a set, and I feel like when you're watching them or listening, if you're really into it, you feel like you're in a fist fight, man. Like, especially the first two tracks of the album. uh, And they got four people as well, uh, live, bass, two
1: guitars, drums. Pup was, like, one of the most fun fun shows I've ever had in a mosh pit. Just getting absolutely thrown around. Yeah. You know what's interesting is what, what you were saying
0: about the guitars and not sometimes, like, going away from the traditional like pop punk like transitions and whatnot yeah they still maintain this very fast paced drum pace excuse me tempo (laughs) but but yeah i mean you still get those very fast paced like punk drums with whatever they're doing that's that's another thing that i really like
1: yeah i have some notes here You know, I I was going to talk about this maybe when we got down into the songs themselves, Mm -hmm. but I was watching an interview about Mabu, and one of the things that Stefan said was, like, when he wrote Mabu, it was one of the first songs that Pup ever did, and he marked it as the point where the the rest of the Pup band members realized that he couldn't play music very well. Which really meant, like, he was writing things in really weird time signatures. So if you listen to some of the stuff off this album, I feel like... Maybe, I mean, maybe the rest of the band carried Stefan. Who knows what happened in the songwriting process itself. But there's definitely some, like, weird transitions that happen. They fix it with rests. But... um it makes the album a lot more interesting. And if Stefan was like writing all these songs and just getting general ideas, they made it, the rest of the band made it work to a level that's just, I don't know, it's like genius for a punk record. You're so yeah. used to like 4-4. Just make it straightforward. Just do a punk record. But they're just doing whatever the fuck they want, this whole record. And it's it's phenomenal. It's great.
0: That's really, that solidifies the pup sound, though, too. I mean, that they like exactly what you described. That's what makes pup pup. They have their own sound and they'll forever be pup. There's going to be no, I don't think you're going to run into a lot of bands where you're like, oh, it sounds like pup. I think they
1: kind of just made a name for themselves. We talk a lot on this podcast about dynamic shifts. I don't feel like pup uses dynamic shifts. same way that a lot of bands that we love do Um, they are using different rhythms they're using different sounds but it's not a dynamic shift there's never a time where I'm listening to a pop song and like oh man everything just got super quiet and now we get loud again it's like always loud but it's always just you know, maybe it's, like, a distorted fuzzy tone. Yeah. And then it's a clean tone. But it's never, like, a, a true dynamic shift like we see a lot in the genre.
0: Their tones mesh really well, too, Stefan and, and Steve's. Stefan's got that really fuzzy, that thick guitar tone, and Steve just kind of, like, sprinkles stuff on the top. It's kind of how I feel. Oh, yeah. no, mean, does I a good mean, job, though. They I, do a great job.
1: When we watch them live... I was so impressed with Steve like watching him play. It was a lot of fun. When I saw him play I was just like, man, you know, that's a great guitar player. That's just a guy who who just is in control of the instrument. He's hitting notes that aren't those traditional major scale notes, which are just easy to fall into sometimes. And I know that it it's, it's like I'm beating a dead horse, but when you're able to make those notes work in a musical setting in a popular musical setting. Um it leads to more interesting music.
0: Yeah, for sure. I stumbled across a little uh video where Steve was showing off his rig. I think he would enjoy it. I don't know if you have run into it yet, but he really I he says not. he says that um he basically says the same thing as you in, in that a lot of people want to play electric guitar, especially if they like started on acoustic and they're like, okay, I want to make that transition quickly. He was like, I learned how to play the acoustic guitar. I learned how to hear the tones, hear every note. And then I started playing electric. And he showed off some of the uh, chords that he was playing, like, in this album. And this was two albums later. You know, this was more recent. Right. And it was like, holy shit, that's what they wrote, like, for their first album? Like, obviously, they had been playing in bands and stuff before. I think Stefan was, like, in a ska band or something. But... Yeah, they just they came together, and that's okay. This is pup, and the chords he was playing, I was like, wow, that's a pretty clever, like pretty." They they had to they knew what they were doing.
1: You know, sometimes when you're writing music, you just stumble upon a chord that sounds great. Yeah, maybe pup stumbled their way into some songs that they really really liked, um, just built around chords like that. Yeah, he's hundred percent right. Like, I see a lot of online feedback all the time about people who want to learn how to play guitar and it's kind of frowned upon when people say you should learn acoustic guitar first but the reason that I don't look down upon it is for the exact reason that he was saying is just like you learn all these notes you learn when things are clean you learn when Things sound good and they don't because you're not hiding behind effects. You don't have these choruses or delays or distorted tones. And like, you know, if you want to argue with me about it, I don't care. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there on the internet who would argue me about that. Oh, you know, a lot of oh well, the, the strings the strings are just so easy, you know. They're, they're <laughs> like thinner. Everything just sounds good. It sounds more like, you know, what I want to play. No, I don't care, and I think that the guitarist from pup um maybe that's why I like him,
0: yeah, he understands a full tone
1: he he does have really they, great i mean tone. really
0: they really do from if if you have a chance if you're listening to this, and even you if you have a chance, like if you find a free moment it's only like three minutes long, it's a short little introduction of his rig, and he shows off his pedals, and when he plays those, he's like, "Oh yeah, on the first album it was like this, and he plays it. And it is it is a very full, clean sounding tone and you can hear all the notes and it's very clever too, especially with the minors, like you were saying, it's like the, the transitions are kind of weird, especially when it's without the drums and him singing, it's just him playing guitar. It sounds even weirder, <laughs> but it sounds good.
1: Yeah. When I was listening to this again, first of all, let me just say, I forgot how much I love this album because the majority of the time that i've known pup it's been for their second album but i really fell in love with pup on the first album mm-hmm. and being able to hear like their clean transitions i don't know it's um i don't know what their recording process was they dirty things up maybe for like the rhythms and then they yeah. use like some really nice clean tones but i remember being at the show and Still being in awe I was paying a lot of attention To the guitar so I don't know I For did sure. find some stuff you know I did a little bit of research on this Tried to up my game from Last week to compete with the great <laughs> Tonez oh, Madonez Well no it's it's not really even about The songs I, I want to talk okay. a little Bit about uh, this video that I watched Just a Portion of I did I wasn't able to watch the entire thing unfortunately. But Steph, uh the guitarist slash lead singer of PUP did a live stream back in May. Um and it's on the PUP YouTube channel where he plays um blood blood something hockey. He plays some kind of like it's basically like the NES hockey, but like your players can die. Oh wow so it looked really interesting and I think I'm going to get it but Steph fun facts from that little bit that I saw Built to Spill is his favorite band and I was listening to them earlier they have a song called Carry the Zero um, which sounded really good and you can see a little bit of the Pup influence from that band but it's not anything crazy Um, and it's a lot slower paced I just, I found that interesting. Someone asked yeah. him what his favorite song he had ever written was, and it was Scorpion Hill, which is not on this record or the next record. It's actually on their most recent record. Um, His favorite song to play live, Full Blown Meltdown, because he likes screaming about the shitty music industry. <laughs> and someone asked him what his songwriting process was and I found this interesting because it can be hard sometimes when you write music just in a band setting he said that he usually started with a melody and he'd bring it to the band and basically all the other band members are better musicians than he is and they would make it their own wow and I found that really interesting I think that Pup is one of those bands that really probably doesn't exist without its its core members. For sure. It's not that they've, Stefan they've or Yeah, it's not that any of these guys has like some kind of crazy songwriting ability. It's it's literally just like they write music and then they all play it the way they want to play it and it the the end result is the pup sound. It's pretty sweet.
0: They all come, yeah. They they've all been friends for a long time too, since uh, elementary school is what I read. That's pretty cool, playing music with your buds. But like a couple of them were in the hardcore scene. A couple in like, uh, Stefan was in the uh, he was in a ska band, and he was like, <laughs> I, I hate when people like telling people I was in a ska band because people immediately think like, oh, you know, real big fish or Aquabats or. 311 or whatever
1: ska is a genre that's like so cool for a few days like if i go back and listen to real big fish like i can listen to their album for a few days and then if you try and dive into another band in the ska genre you're just like okay this is ska (laughs) there's nothing out there that you're hearing you're like oh fuck yeah anymore
0: i don't know that i ever see or hear any ska like influences on their music you know that's what kind of interested me is like he basically it seems like he was just like all right well that was there was a time and place for that so now i'm in pup cool.
1: there was uh, a guy when i was um when i was playing a little bit with a band that doesn't exist anymore or maybe sort of exists in its own capacity uh, i was playing this band called the color Whiskey. Um, And they were kind of reformulated from underdog syndrome. There was a guy who played bass in that band who came from a ska background. And he was just like a great musician. It wasn't about, you know, playing any, any kind of thing in particular. It was just like being a good musician. Yeah. And so I, I imagine... Stefan is similar, maybe, in some ways. Maybe his sky band was just really
0: bad. I don't know if he was a singer or anything in it. Like, I don't know what he was doing.
1: Well, the way he described himself, where he, you know, was writing all these weird time signatures and things, leads me to believe that maybe he didn't have a ton of classical musical training, which is, like, fine. I'm not frowning upon that, because I haven't had that myself. I know you haven't. Steve yeah. hasn't had that. He plays drums with us. But... You know, it's it's definitely something to consider. I want to move on a little bit, dive into this album a little bit more. We we talked about side one, Dummy Records was the re release. Um, side one, Dummy Records has worked with some pretty popular bands as well: Gaslight Anthem, Flogging Molly, Tidal Fight, Microwave, Roswell Kid, Chris Shiflet, Jeff Rosenstock. One of your Best hey. buds. Hey Jeff. Anti Flag <laughs> 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 MXBX and the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And Mighty, Side Mighty One Boss Dummy Tone. also was doing all those Warp Tour compilation CDs when Warp Tour was a thing. So I found that really, really interesting and things have changed a lot. Um the the PUP self titled came out actually originally in two thousand thirteen. I think it was a re release in two thousand fourteen things have changed they have become their own um not distributor but their their own label it's mm-hmm. little dipper their intention behind creating that label was to hold creative control but they receive like budgets and they receive staff members from their current label which is rise records which is a subsidiary of bmg uh one of the questions that the billboard interviewer had asked them um do they plan on signing any other bands to little dipper and they kind of hinted at trying to help some of their friends turn their own music into a career they said they felt like they had a lot of bands or friends that had bands or friends that made music that they could help turn it into a career so that was kind of the the last thing that they had mentioned about that before they released their last record. Um, obviously now they have another record coming out, This Place Sucks Ass, on October 23rd. <laughs> and I'm excited for that.
0: That is pretty cool.
1: And it's 100% true.
0: That's amazing, giving everybody a shot there. That's pretty cool.
1: All right, well, let's talk
0: about the album. Let's dive into the tracks. Sweet. Let's machete you know, our way through the forest.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I forgot how much I love this album.
0: For sure, man. And the, the fact that they toured the shit out of it, too, let's let's not forget to mention that. They did 250 shows in a year Ooh. on this album. They, they were on the grind. They are Ooh. the true definition of punk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so think about that. That's like a hundred games over a baseball season.
0: But if you <laughs> going back to the album, when you listen to this album, the fact that they played these songs night after night, sometimes nights in a row, you, you get like that's ridiculous. How fast paced? How much endurance? Like it's powerful stuff. So let's talk about. Let's. I mean, let's dive right into the first two tracks. I mean, the first two tracks of the album. They're Insane, I mean, you immediately feel like for me, I feel like I'm in a mosh pit or I'm like I'm in a fist fight.
1: <laughs> no, that is, yeah, there's no like warm introduction to pup. It is cold, no. and it is going to punch you in the fucking mouth, yeah, you're going to take one right on the chin there you bud. are taking it in the teeth, you're going to need some dental repair. This band does not fuck around when they do a show no. In fact, I think when we saw them live, it wasn't that they opened with "Guilt Trip." They opened with "Reservoir." Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think "Guilt Trip." He hung
0: upside down, but on "Guilt Trip," I mean, I mean, it's basically a song. Basically, a song where, um, he writes about. Uh, Stefan basically said he wrote it about a specific girl that he was in. Yeah. it was a toxic relationship, and the song's very obviously about that. But the energy it gives off. The lyrics,
1: everything. I mean, You know what, wow. man? If you've had a bad relationship where it's just fiery and toxic and uh, whatever elemental adjectives I could come up with, it's just sometimes you're, like, really in love and sometimes you're just so pissed off like you never want to see that person again. That's That's a toxic relationship when those two things occur all the time and if you Mm -hmm. listen to guilt trip and if you read the lyrics it's like stefan is a hundred percent describing just the the range of emotions it doesn't stick to one thing or the other yeah it's like it really is like you are tilting constantly you're all the way negative you're all the way positive um And ultimately, Guilt Trip is just about a guilt trip, I guess. Yeah. He was even quoted as
0: saying he particularly loves performing this song live because he gets to scream and yell about a particular relationship and he blows off steam, which is awesome. Every time he plays it, to me, I mean, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. um,
1: Great to be able to... uh, You know, I guess like a lot of times for a lot of people, it's the opposite, right? You go to work and you want to scream. And then you have to go home and kind of like just stomach it and then go to sleep and do it again the next day. This song is like the car ride home. Right. Stefan gets to go to work and scream and yell about this
0: relationship. Yeah, exactly. I'm so jealous, which the second, I mean, even the Reservoir, the second song on the track, same thing. I mean, punch, punch you right in the mouth. That's literally how I want to describe these first two tracks. Like, you're going to take one right on the chin, and we're going to listen to this album.
1: <laughs> Reservoir has such a great, like, fuzz tone. Um, mm-hmm. They really use fuzz right. Like, listening to the song, I don't know. Do you want to, like, picture the music video, I guess, ahead of time? where it's, like, just dudes, like, being hunted, sprinting away, you know? You're, like, finding some kind of safe spot that you're all trying to get to. I don't know. I picture something like Blood Red Summer from Coed and Cambria or something like that. But anyway, you know, you listen to Reservoir, and it's obviously about a relationship that's still a little bit toxic. And, um you know, just kind of, like, meeting in the safe zone. But listening to the music itself, it it doesn't feel like a relationship song.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Reservoir, for them, like, when they went to do the music, music video, um, I think they went the route as in, like, they wanted to give you an experience from their side of things on stage because this is the video where their equipment breaks and, like, he eventually, like, one of the cymbals gets shattered and it goes through Stefan's back and he, like, dies and there's a guy there with knee KG. It's, they, they wanted to express, like, this is how we feel on stage. Like, anything could fall apart at any moment. And it's such high, like, fast-paced, high-energy music. Like, I love the video for this song particularly and you should definitely listen to this album and then check out all the videos. Check out this one particularly because they're trying to, like, give, send us a message. Like, guys, We're fucking dying up here, and
1: this is awesome. (laughs) What a great photorealistic analogy. Right. Symbol shattering in the singer's back. I got, yeah. If you've ever played played a show with, like, an off-time cymbal, that's what it feels like. Like, I've just had to rearrange my entire life. You've literally (laughs) betrayed me. You have stabbed me in the back with your drums. (laughs)
0: That's so funny. It's when uh, in the video Steve swings the guitar at the cymbal and it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Let's talk about the next two tracks, "Mabu" and "Never Try." "Mabu," I mean. Do you do you want to talk about this one? If it's start? if
1: it's okay, I'd like to go back to Reservoir just real quick. Okay. The lyrics. Okay. I was really paying attention to those today. I was re-listening to this album, and. Yeah i fell in love with this i don't know just the i guess i hadn't listened to it very closely before but it's my lungs are killing me i didn't even get high forget longevity we're just trying to get by it isn't apathy i just don't care if i die my lungs are killing me i didn't even get high i i remember just listening to that um and it feels like a lot of this album is almost in a lot of ways about loneliness and and depression. And it's it's kind of like bringing oh, yeah. the album down a little bit, but it has so much energy. Those just aren't things that you would generally associate with each other.
0: No. It's very upbeat, very happy. Kind of like not happy but like
1: Yeah, it's like energetic. Fast-paced and and angry, but forget longevity, we're just trying to get by. And it is an apathy I just don't care if I die. It's like those two lines is almost thematic throughout the entire album from this point forward, yeah, where you fine? My
0: lungs hurt, and I didn't even get high he uh Stefan. we'll we'll find out later uh on a, one of the later songs, but yeah, I mean Stefan a lot of their sometimes their lyrics go back to like drug use and stuff like that especially as teenagers and having that teen angst and those toxic relationships i mean there's
1: a lot of stuff going on it's here it's not even really so much about being teenagers like i think this dude loves doing drugs <laughs> sounds like, like it drugs and alcohol for sure maybe it's just like pot and alcohol but maybe let's
0: talk about mabu Okay. Mabu. Yep. I guess it's a Malibu, right? I don't know. I didn't actually
1: check it It's that. not. So I, I watched a video of them discussing this song. It was Stefan's uh car. It was a nineteen ninety seven Toyota Camry. Oh, he wow. described it as the least sexy car ever. By the way, <laughs> my ex girlfriend drove a nineteen ninety nine. Toyota Camry, something like that. Um, It was one of the first songs Pup ever wrote. Stefan says the band realized at this moment that he couldn't play music, which is what we were talking about earlier with the time signatures and things. (laughs) But he was talking to Steve about um, driving around in this car. He said there was a pen stuck in the dashboard. And if you... (laughs) If you pulled the pen out of the dashboard, like the whole car would just start rattling and shaking and fall apart. (laughs) So like someone pulled it, (laughs) someone pulled it out when he was like driving on the highway. He's like, what the fuck? We're about to die. Put that back in. (laughs) Like (laughs) imagine how (laughs) shitty the car is that you're in. And, that's that's I've what happens some, on the highway you're like on a yeah. bridge and he's like if you don't put that pen back this car is You've going been to in cars explode like that,
0: yeah <laughs> i mean i've i've been in cars like that i haven't owned any beaters like that but oh, yeah i mean I have. that's funny like a car like where you turn on the
1: radio yeah. the windshield wipers come on one of my friends in high school <laughs> had a car i think the car's name was like gale And it was this, like, really old, shitty Ford sedan, like, bright white for whatever reason. It's the worst color you could pick for a car that's getting its ass kicked in life. But uh, (laughs) it was, like, you saw the steering wheel, and the steering wheel was constantly turned left. So, like, to drive (laughs) forward, you had to, like, rotate it (laughs) 45 degrees just to go straight. That it's like That's go awesome. even more to just turn right and then to go left. You just didn't do anything. You just let it go. Now you're pulling a <laughs> yui. So I relate to Mabu very much. I've definitely been in that car. Yeah. Cool.
0: The the cool thing about this video too is that they actually did like makeover his car for a demolition derby that took place in fergus ontario where he actually took second place that was the craziest that's thing yeah that is nuts he and got they, second they knew place. they only had he was like it's not like you have a couple of takes with this music video we were like yeah. oh, i'm gonna do a demolition derby <laughs> oh we should film it for a music video okay but we only got one shot so yeah. he was like i remember being out there and like all these people had like the devil harness on like roll cages full." motocross helmets right. he had like a vespa helmet oh, on man. and like the regular seatbelt. <laughs> and he was like i have to make this last and he ended up taking <laughs> second
1: i remember watching that music video and just being like what this dude is getting his he is getting his ass kicked like he is getting <laughs> thrown around so hard the whiplash yeah like it was one of the most reckless things that i've ever seen that's what makes pub punk rock like, the right, dude exactly. just gets into his Toyota Camry, and have you ever been to, like, a demolition derby in person?
0: I have, yes.
1: And tractor pulls. Okay, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cool. Over in Illinois, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Monroe County Fair. That's right. Okay, <laughs> so we've been to the same place. Probably, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I knew this girl uh, that I worked with, and- she invited uh me and my now wife out to the Monroe County Fair. I uh I was not familiar with it. But we went over there Hell yeah. Yeah, we went over there for the demo derby. And it's 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 honestly a bunch of small town dudes just in basically regular cars running into each other for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The amount of whiplash. The amount oh of
1: whiplash. God. So I picture Stefan in this car, and I mean, he's got the GoPro on the dash. He's got the GoPro on the helmet. You're watching him just get blown around. I mean. <laughs> annihilated. He's getting yeah. annihilated. He's getting backed into it like 40 miles an hour. <laughs> like whatever you can reverse permanently in speed, that's what he's getting hit at constantly. Yeah. Yeah and I just remember watching it and being like, is this really worth it? Is this punk rock? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's punk yes, rock. Yes, it's punk rock. Yes. It reminded me of the old, 100%. like, good, like, jackass, you know, Wild Boys, those kind of days, Bam Margera. Yeah. So it was perfect. He also said
0: that the the pit that they drive in is actually made out of cow shit because mud, obviously, you would get stuck in and stuff like that, so there's a lot of manure oh. on the ground. Yeah, so he was like, "A lot of there's a lot of splatter." Oh god, his windows <laughs> I'm were eating, broken. <laughs> i mean eating cow shit.
1: <laughs> his windows were broken. That uh, poor, poor Stefan. Uh. <laughs> I have a, I have a whole new appreciation for Mabu now. Just oh yeah, like, for sure. I, I remember Mabu, and I'm like, "Is this a city? Is this what the fuck is this?" Now that I know <laughs> that it's about a 1997 Toyota Camry.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited put, about it. They had t- Topanga on the dash too. Yeah, Topanga to on the dash and...
1: probably broke some like animal control laws in the states, but they recorded it in Canada, so it's probably fine. With the chameleon in the dash and the fish in the center console. Oh my god! <laughs> and the frogs in the center console. Let's talk about Never Try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, oh, wrong pipe. Let's. Do I it. took a drink there, sorry. Let's talk about Never Try. What are your thoughts about Never Try?
0: Nice little change-up. I mean, you got the two songs, which, uh, like as we described earlier, is basically like you're being tossed into a mosh pit. Or Mabu's like a derby. nice little poppy, yeah. Or And then Mabu, yeah, it's like you're in a demo derby. It's a little poppy, poppy tune. Never Try, to me, is more bluesy, like a nice little, it's a change-up. And I think they showcase the bass tone really well on this song, or at least the bass tone he's using for this song. Um, One thing about Pup, though, that I like is that there's always that Pup sound in each song, but they try super hard to make everything unique. And I think it shows. So you never feel like you're listening to the same song, really. And I think Never Try is a good example of how, like, the first four, you get Guilt Trip, Reservoir, Mabu, and then they're just like, all right, Never Try now. And then the next one would be Yukon, But, uh, yeah, I think Never Try is a good change-up, good transition.
1: What do you think? I agree. I, I think that it's it's a good switch-up because it's not so paced. It's It's just not trying to be, like, overly aggressive or anything like that. It's just... It is a little bit bluesier. I think Yukon really is like the bluesiest point in this Mm -hmm. album if we wanted to pick one. Um, I think the fact that they're using so many minors and things like that um, in these, in this album and really just in pop songs in general is what kind of sets them apart from a lot of pop punk and punk bands just to begin with. Um, Yeah never try and UConn in particular, I feel like tie in together really well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That was the point I
1: was going to make is they, they really do. It
0: almost feels like never tries like a prep, like a lube. <laughs> yeah. And then you slide right into UConn. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. So never try. I was it. I was gonna describe it as nostalgic, but if we're gonna describe it as lube,
0: <laughs> no way. Okay. I have nostalgia written down here as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, he, I really, he do. really he just talks about growing up, and you know, mm-hmm. it sounded like two people who just kind of grew apart, and then just remembering them. So it just sounded like yeah. a song about nostalgia, but it's it's a little bit slower, and it uses minor chords which is appreciated and then Yukon kind of does the same thing and we're rolling off of those notes and i gotta be honest when i listened to Yukon like for a long time i just i didn't give a shit about it i
0: right. didn't
1: like it but i feel like i was immature and i was stupid
0: Gave it a second listen. That's the bluesiest song on the album, for sure.
1: And I listen to Yukon, and I'm getting lost in it. (laughs) It's a great song. You know the story
0: behind it, how it was written?
1: I don't. Okay.
0: So Stefan likes to take um, trips with his sister every summer. It's like a yearly thing. Um, And this is stuff I picked up through the reviews that I read and a lot of interviews that I watched. But he takes a lot of yearly trips. With his sister, and obviously they're in Canada, so they'll hop in the car, they'll go as north as you possibly can, park somewhere, get in a canoe, and go up river. And what he did before this song, before the song was written, I don't know if he was like getting ready for the album or anything. I think that you know this is just kind of when he wrote Yukon. They would go on a canoe trip, and he basically would do mushrooms and and basically meditate for you know two three weeks in the forest. And he said it was kind of um. A creative moment for him, but it was the fact that they were run away from civilization for so mm. long that he specifically remembers, like, seeing an airplane fly over them and being like, holy shit, we haven't talked to anybody else or seen anybody else but each other in the past week or so. And uh when he got back, he wrote Yukon, and that was basically just kind of based on the experience he had, but it's obviously um some sort of, like, supernatural um, type of... uh I don't know how you'd say it's supernatural kind of energy mixing with the nature is kind of what Yukon is. And yeah. you can see like the, basically the the drug use of mushrooms going right. into it, but that's the supernatural, I mean, right? Yeah. It's uh it's interesting stuff though. I mean, I, I personally don't, I mean, I don't have any qualms. I'm not mad at the guy. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, he goes up and does drugs in the woods. I mean, that's generally pretty cool to me. Honestly, it's interesting stuff.
1: Oh, and the song that came no out. No one good, in the present company is going to be shaming you for that that mm-hmm. opinion. No way, yeah, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's really interesting. When I think of the Yukon Valley, I I've never been, and I don't know why my brain feels this way, but I feel like it's just a great big white tundra, and I don't. I don't know that I've ever been told that information. Yeah. I don't even know where the... I couldn't locate the Yukon Valley on a map. But I hear a word like Yukon Valley and I just think about ice cold <laughs> snow.
0: I'm imagining it's like central or maybe central east Canada, way north. I mean, the Yukon's pretty uninhabited for the most part. Yeah. It's just really cold But and you just hear a word so. and you're
1: like, the Yukon the Yukon. The,
0: I think of like caribou and like blizzard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's exactly what I think about. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> caribou and Yukon elk.
0: definitely the most interesting song on the album though.
1: It reminds me of Pine Point from their next album a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, funny, the uh Stefan said he's pretty proud of this song and he actually revisited this same idea on Pine Point specifically. Oh. So it's funny that you put that correlation there because that's exactly what happened. Message received, Stephan. One thing to notice, to note too that I forgot, I think this is pretty important, at least me personally I think this is, and the Yukon, or not in the Yukon, or basically where he was doing this, uh, having this experience, it was the summer solstice, so it was daylight majority of the time. So there's no nighttime, so your sleep schedule was all effed up. I'm pretty sure that probably add added to the experience. Sleep deprivation and like just sleeping in a canoe. I'm I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to imagine having to deal with something like a summer solstice. Oh my god. Yeah, right? A summer solstice. And just (laughs) I mean, it almost sounds primitive. Like he's like, yeah, I'm dealing with the summer solstice. Like, wait a minute. You're <laughs> from you're from Canada, like twenty twenty, right? Like, this is the year. <laughs> summer solstice. Was that not in the Road of El Dorado movie? Not in the road of what? Uh the Road to El Dorado. You know, the Mayan gods had the the Aztecs and the Mayans and the Incas. Oh,
0: I, I see. I don't know much about the summer solstice and, and Mayan
1: and well, okay, fair enough. We should move on. Let's
0: talk about dark days. What a track! No, really though. I, I, <clears throat> I should get serious for this. So Dark Days for me, I just want to start this off. Dark Days for me, um, personally, this is one of the songs that um, I had a friend that passed away a few years ago. Um, I was like 21, 22 years old. So for me, it was like something hard, you know, something to deal with at an age that you don't, typically you're not supposed to deal with, something you shouldn't have to. But I remember specifically being like really upset, really depressed sometimes. and I. always turn back to music for therapy because that's just how I am. And Dark Days was specifically one of the songs that I always played because the specifically the chorus is what always lifted me back up. This winter hasn't been so rough. Oh, it was cold, but still it wasn't cold enough to freeze the blood beneath my spine and at least I survived. I mean, that was just something that I was like, okay, you know, things get better. This is just part of life. This is part of the griefing process, but for me, Dark Days, that's what it meant to me, um, and I, I like it. It's a good song. They're offering me reassurance.
1: <laughs> the lyrics that you mentioned, 100% accurate. Even going further, I mean, we've had some dark days. We're in the thick of it now, and when the ice breaks, and it leads into just this, this um, I guess this resilient feeling is the best description mm-hmm. that I could come up with. Uh, you just you feel like you've had to deal with some some bad shit i mean it happens and it and it means something different for everybody this is yeah. a song that i think a lot of people can relate to that's just it it really is about like this awful awful thing happen but if you can pick up and move on you know there there could be worse days
0: Very sad song, very upbeat instrumentals. I thought that was a cool mix.
1: Yeah, I agree. It reminds me a lot of some more like classic emo pop songs. Yeah. And it it is songs like this, though, where that's where I start to kind of make the distinction of Pup is not like a hardcore punk band. Like, Pup is doing punk, but it is songs like this that make me say this is not... A hardcore punk band you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah for sure i would agree with that that's that's interesting because i pulled that off of literally that was off a of google search funny that you mentioned that again and i was just like okay i'll, I'll put the genres down to list them off because i i have problems putting a certain bands in boxes because there's bands that like you can't put in in pop punk or something because yeah they're pop punk sometimes but sometimes they're not sure this band like pup i mean they have a hardcore aspect to them but i wouldn't call them hardcore punk and and Dark Days is definitely a good example of that. Yukon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just there's a little bit more feel um, behind them in like a, a softer sense. There's a little bit more of a feel in a softer sense where a hardcore punk feel is an aggressive feel.
0: For sure. What about Lionheart? What do you think about that song?
1: Well, like I said earlier, um, I think I heard it for the first time in like n h l fifteen
0: i yeah isn't that that's interesting what's well, in, that's that's one of their songs that they wrote is Topanga, too. I
1: think it's a good song listening to the rest of their discography. It is not um a pup song, I don't think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, do you want to hear a funny quote I found from Stefan? Okay. About this song? Sure. So he said, um, when somebody asked him about an interview, he said, "When <laughs> this is the first song that he ever heard by Pup on the radio, Pup Topanga on the radio. This is the moment I realized Canadian radio is absolute dog shit because this song sucks. I'm embarrassed by it because the lyrics are gibberish. It's the only song Pup has ever played that has no meaning and I hate it. Liter- and that's <laughs> com. They interviewed Stefan, and that's what he had to say about that song. I love it. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's right, though. Oh, Lionheart. I, I didn't think that, though. Flow through my veins. <laughs> oh,
0: oh. oh, man. It's funny, because it's like, that's a song that's on NHL, and you know they're having a good laugh about it. And... We're enjoying it, but it, I never would have thought that. Like I was like, "Oh, this is a pop song. It's good. It's a pop song." Yeah, no. It and then I It, it doesn't I that sound like a like, pop song at all. <laughs> but I, it's got his. I mean, you can recognize his voice anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird song to have as your first single. It feels very like indie single. I liked it. I mean, when it was on NHL 15, I didn't give it like a second thought. It's just like okay. Mm-hmm. This is, like, their token rock song.
0: Right. That's And that's something I accidentally stumbled upon, too. I think I was reading comments, and I clicked on another link, and it was a Kerrang! magazine interview. Somebody was like, oh, yeah, he talked about in this interview. And I read that quote, and I was like, wow, Stefan, that's a pretty strong statement on Lionheart.
1: <laughs> when I watched his, like, brief live session on YouTube, Mm-hmm when he was like yeah I just I want to scream about how shitty the music industry is it's like I'm in this industry and I fucking hate it and I'm like oh my god this guy doesn't care he doesn't care what he says and it's great that's punk rock
0: I love it it's probably the most punk rock band hold on let me think probably the most punk rock band we've done so far right?
1: yes absolutely not, a, not even 100%. a question I know what bands we've done and I love you all, but no. Pup.
0: Everybody's pump. Pup is pump rock.
1: No. It's it's pup, and it's not close. Let's move on. What's after Lionheart?
0: So after Lionheart we got cul-de-sac and back against the wall. And I guess we'll lump in factories too. Those are the last three tracks of the of the album. But Cul de sac, um, basically a song about it sounds to me like just like a round and round relationship, um, and it's kind of funny because the song's named cul-de-sac, so maybe that has something to do with it. Because the cul-de-sac's just like basically dead end, deep. So, yeah. Well, that was a little help for my research too, so I can't completely take that opinion for my own, but it helps me, you know, help me form my own. But that's definitely something I heard. I mean, he he likes he goes back to those those love songs or not love songs, I shouldn't say that, like toxic relationships, breakups, um, stuff like that. And cul-de-sac is just another example of that. And I think that it's it's more of just like a dead-end relationship, like this is going nowhere.
1: Yeah, Um. listening to this album again, and just kind of preparing for this podcast, when I started really paying more attention to the lyrics, the the lyrics were not the thing that brought me to pub. Like the Mm -hmm. lyrics, if you really dig down into them are a little bit more, I guess, graphic. There's like a certain, um, just darkness and I don't know, violence, I guess to some of the, to the lyrics that they write. I'm really trying to like figure out the right way to say this the lyrics are sort of a release to an extent the darkness is it's almost like a subliminal mes- messaging everything is fast paced for the most part but there are still minor chords there are still things that you know you hear and you, they're they're more sad sounding even if they're not slow yeah. and when i listen to these last 3 tracks I feel like it's a big continuation of the whole record's theme. I feel like it stays consistent, but it brings me nothing really new in particular. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, we know what Pup is about on Pup. As we get into these other records, you know, the last two that they did... I feel like they expand upon the themes a little bit. It's not so much about relationship issues and things like that anymore. But I feel like there's not a lot to discuss thematically, um, without the specific references of like Mabu, and Yukon. I mean, am I am I wrong? Am I off base here?
0: No, no, I don't think so at all. I think a lot, I think they're instrumentals too. Um, the instruments. Just. That's hard. That's really hard to say. <laughs> I kind of feel like what, how you felt. The, the melodies are just like, I don't want to say unmatched, but it's like they, Steve's guitar work, especially after hearing that like Stefan kind of comes in with a melody and is like, okay, here, this is what I got. Work with this. The fact that they all just come together and then Steve's melodies are always great. Sometimes they go along with the lyrics. I don't know. I'm trying to describe
1: their sound. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know, unfortunately, like, Pup, when I listen to this record, it, it does tend to be one of those records where I just kind of zone out a little bit, and that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Sometimes when it's so fast-paced, it's more of like a vibe, I guess. It's more of like an emotion. Like, I found myself listening to a Pup when I wanted to get pumped up about something. Or, like, when I wanted to release Leaving Work or whatever I had to do, whatever obligation I had. The lyrics to me aren't as important. So, like, mm-hmm. last week when we listened to Rap Boys and everything was really simple, you know, musically for the most part, we go to Pup and there's more complicated like themes and rhythms, timing things, you know, guitar tones and things like that. Um, I feel like the lyrics are almost less important. And I feel like I wanted to focus in on this album's lyrics more because of last week's episode with rap boys. Yeah. But it really can't be compared.
0: No, no, not
1: at all. Just the, the mental, Space is just so different
0: Yeah I feel like uh, Rap Boys intends for you To hear more of the lyrics And a lot of this Is just like organized I I don't want to say this as a mean thing But Pup is like very very well organized Noise And the fact that like Stefan When they were touring 250 shows a year He actually Damaged his vocal cords at one point And When they found that out Instead of like stopping and being like, "Hey, we're gonna take a break and work on things," he fit, he like kept playing shows and finished out basically all the promo for this album, and then hemorrhaged his vocal cords and basically was told that he might not ever talk ever again, basically. And that kind of just I think that kind of adds to what you were saying. Like, it's not about him like wanting to everybody sing every single lyric with him and and really connect on the lyrics. He was just like. Screaming his heart out, man, and like just singing, performing his heart out. Yeah, it was a release. And, I mean, that's what Pup is. Yeah, it's a release. And he, I mean, that that's a great example of it is what he did on stage. I mean, I'm not admiring that because that's fucking crazy, man. If somebody said, "Hey, you should stop singing for a while because you're hemorrhaging your vocal cords,"
1: I remember I'd probably do that. I remember when that happened because I saw the yeah. Facebook post um, that they released, and it was something like, "Hey, look." basically I have the option right now to keep touring or be able to use my vocal cords for like more than the next two (laughs) weeks It's basically what he said. He's like, look guys, this isn't even really a hard choice. It's like, I'm sorry that you're not going to get to see us, but if I don't rest my vocal cords, I won't be able to use them ever again. So it's not hard for me to make this choice, and the shows are canceled.
0: (laughs) And that was after he had already been told once to not sing and tour Let It Heal. I'm pretty sure from what I remember seeing in that interview, because I think it was over in England, I forget which one, it was like one of their earlier tours, and they asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, I basically went to the doctor, and they were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't perform anymore for a long time. And he was like, oh, okay. And went and performed that same night, next night, and then kept touring the rest of the whole entire length of it out. (laughs) If this guy's not punk rock by
1: now, he's definitely (laughs) punk rock at this point. I mean... Yeah, that's uh, challenging, and obviously everything that I've seen is that he's back to normal now, and that the rest did him good. It was like polyps or something had formed on the vocal cords, and... He needed right. to like take the time off to let the let everything heal without surgery. And yeah. there's been vocalists in the past that have had surgery on their vocal cords and it's a very tough to recover from. John Mayer, uh oh, yeah. probably one of the more recent famous people that had to unfortunately have a vocal cord surgery. He released an entire album of slow jams like Montana jams. Just because of the operation
0: Montana James Yeah he
1: he like moved to Montana And wore cowboy hats And wrote songs like Born and Raised and it's great But I'm glad that Pup didn't have to write Born and Raised Yeah right Pup can still be Pup Pup can still be Pup
0: The world wouldn't be the same without Pup And they
1: have a new album coming out October 23rd This place sucks ass I think it's I think that's an EP. Well, either way, it's new music. True, true. This place sucks ass too. What a great name. This place sucks ass. <laughs> they're Canadian. It's not even political. But they're like, this place <laughs> sucks ass. This is very general <laughs> and very true. Very accurate. Yeah. Well, look, man, I mean, we um we've talked about this album a lot. But one thing that we haven't discussed is our favorite track.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I mean, we discussed the last three. Back Against the Wall Factories is just more pop. I mean, it's good stuff. Definitely check them out. But I'm going to go on a limb here and say the first one still, Guilt Trip. That's what brought me in originally, and that's probably still the one that I really enjoy the most because you can feel, I mean, what a way to start off an album. Like we said earlier, I mean, he comes right in and he's like, boom, in your face. I'm really pissed off at this toxic relationship. Come listen. Come hear about it. It's like very in your face, and I love how Pup Pup basically is like, all right, you want to hear a Pup record? Track one, the kick in the door. Here's our band. Do you like it or not?
1: (laughs) I like it, man. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Guilt Trip, although it's hard to pick. It's a great track. My favorite is going to be Dark Days really just for, like, nostalgia slash, slash uh, lyrics. Mm-hmm. Dark Days, I remember really falling in love with that song pretty early on. All these songs have a really great energy. Um, Lionheart, like I said before, was, like, it was something that I, I heard prior on a video game. So I was, like, mm-hmm. familiar with them when they when I heard that song again but it wasn't ever a song that really like took me. It was like, Hey, you need to check out pub. But when I heard dark days for the first time, I was like, I need to check out pub. And so dark days is my favorite song from this record. Like I said before, man, I really forgot how much I love this record. Um, it is good from front to back. It's 10 tracks. Perfect length.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just under 40 minutes.
1: You know, The Dream Is Over is a great album, too. Morbid Stuff is a great album. I love all of the Pup stuff. I almost kind of worry that I just, because Pup's been consistently so good and, like, growing, and I'm getting older and I'm thinking, oh, my musical tastes are maturing, or something stupid or idiotic like that, that I'm ignoring albums like Pup. 2014 pup by
0: pup,
2: yeah,
1: in the pup pup scene,
0: I feel like that's part of the reason we started this podcast though personally because I enjoy going back and listening to a lot of these these albums you really you really hone in on the things
1: you didn't hear before, yeah, there is definitely a new appreciation for going back because sometimes it, when you're listening to these albums, you just reconsider your thought processes. Like, was I just in a weird place in life where all, I felt like all this stuff was making more sense to me, but now that I'm in a new place, it's not all that interesting. Mm -hmm. I've felt that way definitely about a few albums, but um, to be able to go back and just revisit it, like you said, is fantastic. It's a fun time. All right, man. Well, do you have uh, anything else you
0: want to share about this album?
1: So I know that we only talked about the self-titled today, but that that has me curious. Is this your favorite Pup album, the self-titled? I,
0: it still holds true for me, and, and it's not because I hate the other albums, just because if it, you're going to ask me, like, hey, what songs do you think people would get into? Like, if somebody's never heard Pup, what song should I listen to? I would probably start with, like... Sleep in the Heat. Oh, Sleep in the
1: Heat is so good. My God. It's Sleep familiar in the Familiar patterns. Heat and it's on... The dream is yeah. over. No, it's Sleep in the Heat, dude. Sleep in the Heat is good. I'll give you that. Listen to Sleep in the Heat right now, listener. If you're like, oh, man, I don't... I don't, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to like pub. Like fuzz. No, listen to Sleep in the Heat. Get excited. Listen to Sleep
0: in the Heat and then listen to Familiar Pattern and then listen to the self titled <laughs> <laughs> you had that mean, choice you treat, know treat we, yourself. we we yourself
1: <laughs> we, <laughs> we we chose to do the self titled but i'll i'll be honest uh the dream is over is my favorite record from well the,
0: maybe we'll visit that one later because it's also a great I album would love to do that <laughs> It is a great album. Uh, I'm going to get the vinyl um, of that album.
1: I would love to double back double it. You know what? Around. After this,
0: I'm buying the vinyl of that album, The Dream Is Over. You know what?
1: I I think I'm going to do Funny story,
0: uh, well, before we get out of here, Dream Is Over is actually the name of that album kind of comes from an inside joke with them, and that was basically Stefan's uh, doctor, whoever you've seen during that whole uh, hemorrhaging of the vocal cords, basically told them The Dream Is Over. So, like, anything bad that would happen they would say like the dream is over as like a joke and it became the album <laughs> the album name
1: like oh you're you're in a band and you're touring like right? internationally well fuck you the dream yeah. is over i love that
0: a lot of people don't take that shit seriously oh you're in a band oh that's cool <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, no, we're at, I'm over. actually like I'm gonna, in pop.
0: We're going to we're going to be we're we're doing <laughs> stuff here.
1: I am in the band poop. <laughs>
0: uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, I'm going to take our tracks. I'm going to add Guild Trip. I'm going to add Dark Days to our official Breakfast Rock podcast playlist, which is growing every yep. episode. People can listen to the music that we like to talk about. And on top of that, I mean, I'm hoping that people are listening to these sure. albums.
0: That's our whole goal here. Check these people out. Give them, give them a chance. There's a lot of good stories. Got a lot of good stuff behind this music. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram at breakfast underscore rock make sure you follow us and rate and review and subscribe and all that good stuff at the breakfast rock podcast on Spotify and iTunes and many other platforms. And I think
1: Google play now,
0: <laughs> Google play now as well. Yeah. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at at Tony Medina three, one, four T O N Y M E D I N A three, one, four. And Derek,
1: the beggar man two, four, seven on basically everything. <laughs> Right on.
0: We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you guys.